The title of my message tonight, as you can see on the board, are, are the odds against you. Have you ever felt like that the odds were against you, that you're just being overwhelmed by what's going on? Also, I wanted to talk to you that I know that most of you, I know that most of you would like to believe that things change over time. I know I do, and some things do change, but there are things that never change. God's Word teaches us in the book of Ecclesiastes that there is nothing new under the sun. And one of the things that never changes is the Word of God, the truths of God, the promises of God. In Matthew 24, verse 35, it says, He tells us that the sky and the earth will pass away, but His Word will never pass away. Hallelujah. No matter how hard people try to keep it out of our government and out of our schools by accepting all the things that we see going on around us today, but trying to brainwash our children into their way of thinking, it will never happen. It will never happen, folks. It never will. He says he is the Lord and he changes not, according to Malachi 3.8. Praise God. So his word never changes either. You know, God's word is always alive and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, according to Hebrews 4.12. His word is always powerful. And it never loses its power. We have to keep that in mind. God's word never gets old. And God's word never loses its power. He is the same God today, yesterday. And he will be the same God tomorrow and forevermore. According to Hebrews 13.8. Saints, he is the God on the mountain. And he is still God in the valley. I know it feels like, you know, some of you get in valley sometimes. I feel like for the last month I've been in the valley, but I know I was not alone. I know that God was with me, and sometimes we feel like that God's not with us, but he is with us. But like I said, he's with us when we're in the mountains, when we're praising him, and, and everything is going good, but when we're in the valley, he's with us too. His word is just as powerful today as it was the day that Paul and all the other apostles were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write it. And he's given us the freedom to make choices in our lives and through his word. His word teaches us every day how we can avoid some of these traps that Satan uh, uses, uh, these uh, traps that Satan uses against us. For just as Satan started out tricking God's children in the book of Genesis, so is he still doing today. For as the word states, there is nothing new under the sun, according to Ecclesiastes 1.9. Satan began his lying and deceiving at the very beginning of time, and that sure has not changed. He's still lying. He's still deceiving. He even tried to kill Jesus as soon as he was born. According to, Hebrew, uh, according to Matthew 2, verse 16, the New King James, it says, Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all the oldest districts from two years old and under according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. The only thing that has changed in Satan's tactics, he is now using a new method to wipe out our children before they're even born. And he is not targeting just males, but females too. As a matter of fact, Satan has picked up momentum. He is still lying. He is still deceiving God's children today. He is doing it through the news media. He's doing it through our government officials and, and all through the social media. And let's don't forget about the false prophets. You know, I heard a false prophet say the other day that a tractor was going to be, uh, a cow was going to be driving a tractor in heaven. I think they said a jello mountain too. 
Well, I don't think so. <laughs> Can you even imagine a cow driving a tractor? <laughs> Remember what Satan said to Eve in Genesis chapter 3, verse 4. He said, the devil said, you certainly won't die. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat of it, and you will be like him, like God, knowing both good and evil. And verse 6 says, and it says the woman was convinced. You know, uh, uh, Eve was not the only one that Satan convinces. He convinces all of us from time to time, all of us. None of us are innocent of that. I pray that, uh, that that's becoming less and less, but he's still doing it. For he had created her in his image just as he created us. Like I said, we all know that she was already like God, for he had created her in his image just as he created us. Nothing lacking, nothing missing. And as the famous radio broadcaster Paul Harvey used to say, now you know the rest of the story about what happened. Their eyes were open, and suddenly they felt ashamed of their nakedness. Now up to this point, they didn't even know that they were naked. Isn't that the way it is? With say, isn't that the way it is? Another thing, Paul Harvey would open up with his hello Americans. I say to all of you today, that have ears to hear. Hello, believers. Hello, Christians. You know, when a person is having a heart attack, the doctors use something like a paddle, a defibrillator, pads. You know, and it says that these amazing life-saving devices have electrodes, often referred to as paddles, that attach to the defibrillator machine and deliver a shock dose of electricity that restores normal heart rhythm by stopping the chaotic electrical activity in the person's heart. And I believe that it is what I believe that this is what the church needs today. The church needs something that will wake it up, put life back into it, an electric shock, anything that will wake it up. Friends, the devil is still tempting us today. He tempts people every day with things he knows will destroy you if you listen to him. Think about that. How many drug addicts do you think became an addict just by trying it once? Or the alcoholic that became an alcoholic with the first drink? Do you think that the devil, do you think the devil shows the person he tempts to take drugs that once he becomes addicted, that it will cost him everything that is important to him, everything that he or she holds dear, and that it will cost him everything that's valuable in their life? The devil doesn't tell them that they will turn into a thief that will steal even from those who love them the most, their parents and their friends, or they will live and be in a jail somewhere sometime. Or do you think the devil tells the alcoholic that they're risking losing their job, their spouse and their children? Think about that. Think about how Satan is working today through our government to kill off our babies before they even have a chance at life and trying to convince our young ones that God must have made a mistake in their gender. But we know, saints, that God never makes a mistake. He never makes a mistake. Are you hearing me, brothers and sisters? I realize this will be an unpopular message. However, it is a message that we need to hear. We need to stop watering down God's word. Can you see how when it comes to deceiving God's elect, that, that's nothing new under the sun? It's always been that way. 
God wants you to know that you don't have to buy into the devil's lies. You don't have to continue to let the enemy deceive you. God can and God will restore you. Restore you. As a matter of fact, when, not if you're tempted, but when. Because we all get tempted, folks. His word says he will show you a way out so that you can so that you can endure. In other words, God will always give you a solution to your problem, regardless, if you just ask him. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, in the God word translation, it says, there isn't any temptation that you have experienced which is unusual for humans. God, who faithfully keeps his promises, will not allow you to be tempted beyond your power to resist. But when you are tempted... He will also give you the ability to endure the temptation as the way of escape. I think that's awesome. I really do. As God has stated in his word, there is nothing new under the sun. For all through our history, Satan has been working. It's just that we have never seen times like this, this bad in our lifetime. There have been times this bad before, but just never. We've never seen it in our lifetime, but the times have been bad. Hallelujah. The word tells us in Ecclesiastes 1.9, the thing that has been, it is what will be again, and that which has been done is that which will be done again, and there is nothing new under the sun. You know, brothers and sisters, the things that we're dealing with now, if you go back into uh, the biblical days and the history, you will see that they had time at the time at the time, things far worse than what we're experiencing right now. And, and the government, our government right now is just trying to keep fear, put fear on us and keep fear on us to keep us from acting, act, acting, believing in the Lord and just to keep on going. He's trying to put us, keep us in fear. And another thing he's trying to do is he wants us to be dependent on him, on them, you know, on the government instead of being, you know, independent for ourselves. But that's not going to happen either. Friends. What is the Lord saying here? He is saying that people have always gone through trials and kingdom children have always suffered violence. And this is nothing new. In Matthew eleven twelve in the New Living Translation, it says from the time of John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it and they still are attacking it today. And the way we handle these trials it's the same way that God's children has always handled them, and that's with his word. There is no other weapon by putting on the whole armor of God. Ephesians 6 and verse 10 said, Finally, receive your power from the Lord and from his mighty strength. You know, I, I think about it sometimes, and, uh, you know, I know we read the verses, and, and we don't always get a full impact, I don't think, uh, of the true... Um, meaning of some, you know, some of the verses that we read. We read them and we think we do. But if we've just got an inkling of the power that lives on the inside of us and what we can do, Jesus said, as he is, so are we in this world. And if Jesus can speak to the fig tree and if he can speak to the waters and the storm and if he can cast out demons, then we can too. We just follow the Bible. That's all we have to do. We don't have to create anything new. We don't have to follow after someone else's teachings. All we have to do is read the Bible and practice what it says. 
All we have to do is have a spirit of boldness and, and stop thinking about ourselves because I think one of the reasons why we don't do any more than we do is because we, we're, we're so focused on self that we just don't feel like that we can do it. You know, we don't have the boldness to do it, but I know that we can do it. The only thing we need to do is just focus on the Word and do what the Word tells us to do, act on it. And I really want to be more able to do this. I know I can. God says we can, and if he says we can, then we can. And so we don't really have to put up with all this stuff that he keeps attacking us with. We don't. He says to put on the whole armor, put on all the armor that God supplies, and this way you can take a stand against the devil's strategies. Jesus did not use one single weapon to defeat the devil when he was being tempted. That you, that you as a child of God have not been equipped with today. In other words, Jesus did not use any weapons or anything that we have not been equipped with today because the only thing Jesus used was his word. Nothing's changed about that, saints. So in order to be successful and resist the devil effectively, you have to be armed with the word of God the same as Jesus. When you know the word and you hide the word in your heart, According to Psalms 119.11, said, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Hallelujah. Knowing what God's word says about you and your situation is the key to your victories. David says in verse 49 and 50, New King James says, Remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my comfort and my affliction, for your word has given me life. Praise God. You know, most of, uh, most of you know that I've been sick for almost a month. Last Sunday as I lay in bed thinking, and I was speaking to Sister Neil earlier, you know, we were thinking, but actually I was meditating. Anytime you're thinking, you're usually meditating, you know, where it's good or bad. And this time I wasn't thinking good. You know, and meditating about all the meds I had taken and what I could take from my headache. You know, <laughs> and even if I only took three pills a day in the last, three or four weeks, I would write it down and the time I took it to make sure I didn't go take something twice because I just really was not thinking straight, you know. And so I, did, I just wanted to make sure I didn't double up on something. All of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me and said, you are a warrior, an overcomer. And he made me and he's made me to reign on this earth as a king and a priest. And that's what he says in Revelations 5.10. He says, and has made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on this earth. You know, and friends, that was my turning point. You know, after almost four weeks, that was my turning point. I got up and immediately began to feel better. And by Monday, I was on the go again. You know, the Lord reminded me of who I was. Praise God. And I began confessing his word and glorifying and, and, and glorifying his name, you know, and just thanking him. And I did feel better. You know, are you hearing what David is saying in Psalms 119, uh, verse 49? He is saying that when his enemies come up against him, when he is going through rough patches in his life, as we often do, that he remembers what God's word said about that particular thing or that situation and he confesses the word over it. You may not realize it, but we do have a choice. 
We do not have to take the junk that the devil throws at us. As I was telling Sister Neil, you know, I believe I, I could have gotten out of it sooner, but sometimes we feel so bad that we don't feel like, even though the Lord says you're a warrior and you're an overcomer and a conqueror, you're not feeling much like an overcomer and a conqueror. But we have to remind ourselves that we are. And like I said, I, I think if we would just continue to do that and, and take authority over the enemy because he really has no power authority over us he has power but he has no authority we're the ones with the authority you know and i think if we would fight against it from the onset that things would be different as a matter of fact i know they would but like i said you know i'm no different than anybody else so when i'm preaching i preach to myself as well as everybody else too you know, we're the ones with the authority here and not Satan. You don't have to lie down every time he says boo. And you sure don't have to roll over and play dead either. You know, you can exercise your God-given authority. In Matthew 10 says that Jesus summoned to him his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to cure all kinds of disease and all kinds of weakness and infirmities. You know, that's what most sicknesses are. Most sicknesses are spirits and addictions, and you and I have been given the power and the authority to cast them all out. You can choose to fight the good fight of faith. In 1 Timothy 6.12, says Paul tells Timothy, he said, fight the good fight of faith. You need to know, saints, that if, if there weren't any hindrances to faith, there wouldn't be a fight. So there, there is going to be hindrances to our faith, or otherwise there would not be a fight. And we're going to fight. For instance, most of us, when it comes to natural things, we will fight it tooth and nail, or we'll give it everything we got. For instance, but if someone came to your house and tried to take your material stuff that you worked so hard to get, you would put up the biggest fight of your life, wouldn't you? If somebody came in your house and tried to take your personal stuff. But when it comes to spiritual things, the things that God has promised you in his word, most of us just roll over and play dead. I was doing a real good job of that. <laughs> do you fight back? Yeah, do you fight back when Satan puts sickness on your body or robs you of all your finances or leads your children astray? Or do we just let the devil have his way in our lives? I think most of us just let the devil have his way. I did. I'm guilty. You know, think about that, brothers and sisters. We have the spirit of Jesus living in us, as I was just saying, and he has given us authority and he's given us dominion on this earth. It takes a little time sometimes, I know that, to build the word into your spirit so that you can stand in faith, so that you can fight like the soldiers or warriors that you are. So if God's word said something belongs to you, then it belongs to you. It's just that simple. So put up a fight. By standing your ground on God's word. In order to fight the good fight of faith, you must learn how to use the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, according to Ephesians six seventeen. Our tongue is the two-edged sword that God has given us to fight with. And most of us can lift our tongue. We can lift it when we're, oh me, I don't think I'm going to make it today, you know. But we can change those words and use God's words. Fighting the good fight of faith is speaking God's word out of your mouth that you believe in your heart and your spirit. Not, you know, it's not just by saying the word, but it's what you believe and say. 
You can say a lot of things, but you've got to believe it in your heart and say it. It's important that you weigh every word that comes out of your mouth. I know some of these things I've said before, and I'm going to continue to say them uh, as he gives them to me. And don't let the devil keep you speaking negative things about yourself. Don't continue to put yourself down. You know, according to Jeremiah 29, 11, your father is having good thoughts about you. He said to do, he said to do you good and not evil. Hallelujah. In Psalms 139, 17 and 18, in the God word, it says, How precious are your thoughts concerning me, O God. How vast in number they are. He said, if I try to count them, there would be more of them than there are grains of sand. When I wake up, I'm still with you. Praise God. You know, can you, can you even imagine down at the beach the grains of sand? And, and he's saying that his thoughts of us are more than the grains of sand. It's kind of like he told Abraham that his descendants are going to be more than the grains of the sand and the stars in the sky. And he, and he did. And we are. We're all seeds of Abraham. <laughs> Hallelujah. What did God say about Gideon, for instance, in Judges 6.11? He was, he was one of those people that spoke negative things about himself. He spoke what he thought. And what he felt. That's our biggest problem right there. We are really big about saying what we think or how I feel. If you ask somebody about, you know, well, I don't know, I think this, or I feel this way about that. It's really not that important most of the time, the way we feel. But he said he spoke what he thought and how he felt. Remember that your heart would lie to you. And God tells us that in Jeremiah 17, 9, that you can't trust your heart. It's the most evil thing above all things, he says, and you can't trust it. So in other words, don't be thinking, um, don't be thinking negative thoughts and, uh, and going on your feelings. You know, feelings, we all do it. I mean, I do it. We, all, we all base a lot of things on our feelings, and we can't do that. But God did not see him, and God don't see us the way that Gideon saw himself, and God don't see us the way that we see ourselves either. The Bible says, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak at Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Asmarite, and his son Gideon was beating wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. In Judges 5:12, and the angel, and it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of fearless courage. Now this is how God saw Gideon. He saw him as a man of courage. He was seeing me Sunday morning as a warrior. He wasn't seeing somebody that was laying there sick. He was seeing me as a warrior and reminded me of who I was. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God did not see him as a loser. God don't see us as losers, you know. Sometimes we feel like that we don't that we fall short on some things that the Lord gives us to do or some things that maybe he didn't give us to do, but maybe there's things that we need to be doing and we fall short and we don't do it. And then we start uh, feeling guilty about it. And uh, sometimes you can feel like a loser, but God don't see you as a loser. You know, even though Gideon was afraid and hiding in the wine press, God saw him, saw Gideon as a man of fearless courage, the Bible says. And when the Lord told Gideon that he was going to give him his enemies in verse 14, Gideon still responded negatively and said to the Lord, O Lord, how can I deliver Israel? How can I do this? Behold, he said, my clan is the poorest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. He was still putting himself down. 
You know, I know that when the Lord called me into the ministry, I said, Lord, I can't do that. I have, I've never been to seminary. I don't have the right education. I don't have all them letters, you know, after my name. Besides, I said, uh, women aren't supposed to teach in the church. And where would I go? And we all know he sent me to the jail. And he gave me scriptures showing me that to him we are the same. In Galatians 3.28. Uh, that he does, you know, all the male, female, rich, poor, free, slave, we're all the same in his sight. We all have the same spirit. You know, we, he gave us all a new heart, and we, we are spirit. We're, we, we, are, we are more spirit beings than we are human beings. I mean, if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you are a spirit being, and you are a talking spirit being because you speak like God. You know, nothing was accomplished when you think about it and read the Bible in Genesis all the way through. Nothing was accomplished until Jesus spoke it. I mean, to God spoke it. And that's what brought it about. His words created the heavens and the earth. And so he made us speak in spirits, and we are spirits. So if you think about that, you're here on this earth, and, and you're not having um, a human experience. You're having a spiritual experience here on this earth. And, and the Lord says that, you know, that we, we are not of this world. Really, we, 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 we're not. We, we don't, we're not of this world. We're only passing through. And, and, you know, and some, there, some time is shorter than others. But we're all passing through. And, and, it, and it's just out of, you know, we live in a house. And, and so we do what we can to keep our house up. And our spirit never gets old. It's going to be the same when it leaves our body. Is that it's just going to leave that old empty house and go be with the Lord. Same as when you move out of your house. You don't, the house is just, there's nothing there. You know, we go to funerals with people, but there no, there's nothing there but the old house. You know, that the spirit, the person's not there anymore. The Lord came back and said to Gideon, Surely I will be with you, and you shall smite the Midianites as one man. Of course, we know that, that Gideon did go on, and with God's help, he won many battles. Hallelujah. And I did go on, as the Lord told me to, and I conquered a lot of giants. And made a, a lot of things happen, uh, you know, through the things that the Lord would give me. And so we all can. We all can. And I'm still trying to do things that, the, you know, the Lord's given me to do. The Lord tells us in his word that we're more than conquerors, more than overcomers, and can do all things through, through him who strengthens us. But we say, Lord, I can't do that. I don't have the money for that. I don't have the education. What will people think if I were to do that? In other words, it's I don't, I don't, I don't. But the word says, if you're born of God, according to 1 John 5, 4, he said, you can, for the word says, for whatever is born of God is victorious over the world, and this is the victory that conquers the world, even our faith. Verse 5 said, who is it that is victorious over the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God who trusts in and relies on that fact. Those are the ones that are victorious. Amen. The fact is that Jesus Christ himself lives in me and you and that my friend changes everything. It changes everything. 
In 2 Corinthians 13, 5, the Apostle Paul asked the Corinthian believers a question. Or do you not realize yourselves, Paul said, that Christ Jesus is in you? You know, Paul was asking the Corinthians that. Just like the Corinthians, we believers today need to realize this fact about ourselves. As I was just saying, we need to realize that Jesus is not on the outside of us, but Jesus is on the inside of us. And it's amazing that what we can do if we try. we got to try. we got to get outside of our comfort zone and get outside of our little box and see what we can do. I, I really want to try to do more than what I've been doing. I, I really do. Christ isn't outside of us as some kind of a helper. The Holy Spirit's our helper. In our time of need, he actually lives in us and is with us all the time. And he did send the Holy Spirit to be our helper and our teacher, our advocate and our comforter. Praise God. Are you listening? When you have the foundation of God's word under you, under your belt, you can stand your ground against any of Satan's attacks. Saints, my greatest prayer this coming year, is that our brothers and sisters in Christ will wake up. That is my biggest, greatest prayer. When you, when you get the word of God firmly fixed in your heart and your mind, you can use it against the devil. You know, if we don't wake up, we're going to be overcome. It's happening all the time. You know, you only have to just look around. And the things I hear, I don't see, but the things I hear, even about what is this, Grammy Awards thing, you know, I understand that was, uh, well, it was, I heard it was garbage. You could probably use a stronger, stronger word, but strong, garbage will do. It was an abomination. That's what it was. From what I understand that it was, it was a, an abomination to our Lord. And everything, it seems like I was telling David earlier, I was listening to someone teaching, was talking about the rainbow. And I said, you know, it amazes me, you know, the way that Satan does things. You know, he uses things that our Lord uses, uh, you know, like the rainbow. You know, the, the, the gay, and I don't know what you call the, the letters on that. But, but anyway, they use the rainbow, and, and that's an abomination because they're using it out of disrespect for a Lord, and that is an abomination. Anytime you're doing things like that is an abomination against God. I don't care how many laws you pass. God's already passed the law. <laughs> and no other law can overcome that one. And, and, and it's like those, this person said they didn't believe in God. And uh, I thought, well, uh, he will, he'll find out soon enough. You know, he said that he did not believe there was a God. And I thought, well, he'll find out sooner or later. But I, ho I hope he changes his mind. The word, of, the word of God becomes your equalizer. And I want you to pay attention to this. You know, I used to watch this series on TV. It was back in 1985 through 89. It was called The Equalizer. Maybe some of you in here might have seen the program. It was about a man who at one time was, highly was a highly trained op operative in the government, and he was now retired. However, he had set himself up to help those that couldn't help themselves, the ones that the odds were against, or you might say the ones that were outnumbered. 
Saints, do you ever feel, like I asked before, that you're outnumbered or overwhelmed by what's going on around you? Sometimes I do. I, I see some things on my iPad or I don't see too much on TV, even on the Christian TV. I can't watch. I was watching a few things the other night on the Victory on the News, Victory News. I was watching that and for just a few minutes, and I had to turn it off because I just kept feeling waves of nausea. And uh, David had to pray over me in a few minutes. The nausea was gone. But it just makes me sick just listening to it. So it's beyond me how people can sit and watch this off and on all day long. You know, they get the morning news, the afternoon news, and the evening news, the night news. And that's not even the Christian news, and the Christian news is bad enough. But the other is even worse. It's like nobody has any respect for anything or anybody. You know, whether it's the Republicans or the Democrats or what, whatever, they're all fighting against each other, and, and, and it's vicious. It's just vicious. You know, there's no right, there's no right between any of them because you can't win anything that way. You can't win by putting somebody else down, you know. And, and so they're, they're, they're all, they're, like I said, you know, it'd be good to get somebody in there that's kind of in between, that's more balanced, in there, uh, you can't have this one, you can't have that one because it wasn't too far that way and that one's too far that way. You need somebody that's balanced in there. And I pray to the good Lord that that happens. It says that uh, either way, the person would contact the equalizer from an ad he had run in the papers. I think the ad read something like, are the odds against you? And once the person contacted him, he would put that person in a safe place while he went about taking care of the threat that was against a person, and you might say evening out the odds. Well, brothers and sisters, that's exactly what the Word of God does for us. It becomes an equalizer. Hallelujah. God also puts us in a safe place, two saints. He said, only a spectator shall you be, yourself inaccessible in the secret place of the Most High, as you witness the reward of the wicked. And he said, because you have made the Lord your refuge and the most high your dwelling place, praise the Lord, in Psalms 91, 8 through 9. I hope you're hearing me. You know, the word equalizer means a person or thing that equalizes, especially a device to counterbalance opposing forces. The slang definition means a weapon as a pistol, a blackjack, or a switchblade. Saints, I pray you're getting the picture that I'm trying to paint for you, for they say uh, that a picture is worth a thousand words. And I want so desperately to help you to see that you have been equipped to stand up against the enemy, the devil, and his demonic forces. God's word will counterbalance, counterweight, or equalize anything you need for it to do. And it will surely put the odds on your side, on our side. Hallelujah. God said, if he is for us, he said, who can be against us? Who can be our foe if God is on our side? According to Romans 8.31, who shall bring any charge against God's elect when it is God who justifies that it is he who puts us right in right relation to himself? Maybe things haven't changed that much, saints, but God's word hasn't changed either. It's just as powerful and sharp as it ever was. The devil is still hurting God's children. 
He is still robbing them of their health and their finances. He's still robbing them of their peace and their joy. He's still stealing our children. But you and I have been given an equalizer, the word of God that is sharper than a two-edged sword. And when we learn to wield that sword better, in other words, give voice to God's word, then you can start taking back those things that the devil has stolen from you and yours. To be powerless is a choice. I want to say it again. To be powerless is a choice. Being anything is a choice. God has given us a choice. We can come to accept what he has empowered us with and be powerful, or we can just choose to stay powerless, wimpy, and weak. I'll say that again. You can choose to stay powerless, wimpy, and weak. You don't have to wait until you feel something before you choose to do either. Being powerful is not a feeling. It's not about feelings. It, it's about knowing what God's word says and then acting like it's true. We've talked about this before. We must take God at his word and we must act on it. We honor God when we act on his word for it shows that we trust him. James 2.17 in the New Living Bible says, So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, he says, it's dead and it's useless. Saints, if you choose to listen to the devil, you're going to stay right where he wants you. Sick, poor, broke, defeated. However, if you choose to practice what God's word says about you, you can be that conqueror or overcomer that his word says that we are. But you're going to have to practice Practice means to keep on doing until you get it. Keep on kicking that door until it opens. Are you hearing me? Don't give up if the door don't open the first time you kick it. Kick it some more. Keep on kicking it. You know, I found this to be a good example of practicing God's word. I was reading in one of Brother Kenneth Hagin's books about this pastor friend of his that wanted him to pray the prayer of agreement with him for the healing of his high blood pressure. So Brother Hagin said they joined hands and agreed. He said that sometimes later he was in this minister's church and was using the scripture in Matthew 18, 19, which says that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them by my Father, which is in heaven. He said his friend testified how he had prayed and agreed with Brother Hagin and had gone home feeling terrible because his blood pressure was even higher than usual. You know, and that happens a lot, and Pastor Larry can testify that, and some of you in here, that, you know, you can pray for a person and come into agreement uh, with a person, and, and you pray over that person, and maybe they don't see any change right then. And so, of course, the enemy is going to be quick to tell you that you didn't receive your healing. But you have to know that as soon as the hand's laid on you, your healing begins. And it's up to you to whether or not you accept it. He said he wasn't, uh, the minister told Brother Hagin that the devil told him that he wasn't going to get his healing. But every time the devil bothered him, he would say, it is written, and he would quote the word. He said he kept confessing that if two shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them by their father, praise God. He said after he stood his ground like that for three nights, all the symptoms left, and he won the victory. Hallelujah. 
He just had to keep standing his ground. And that's what we have to do, you know, when we get prayed for. Even if we pray for ourselves or have somebody else pray for us, we have to stand our ground if we don't recognize any, any of the symptoms leaving right away. That is not evidence that we're not healed. That the enemy is the one that brought the sickness in the first place. And so he's going to remind you and try to make you believe. He's going to have to do, he's going to try to do like he did Eve. He's going to try to convince you. And he's really good at convincing. It's up to you. As I said before, you're going to put up a fight by standing your ground on God's word. It's up to you to fight the good fight of faith with the word and receive your promised blessing and all that God has promised for you. In closing, let me remind you of a few things. Remember what I said earlier about God's word being the equalizer and how that word means to counterbalance uh, counterbalance opposing forces and also means a person or thing that equalizes. Satan and his demons, demonic demons, are the opposing forces coming against you, brothers and sisters. And that's what God's Word does, saints. God's Word will counterbalance, counterweight, or equalize anything you need for it to do. Anything, nothing that it won't do. It will put the odds on your side. Praise God. It's kind of like watching a rerun of a boxing match that you already know who won. It doesn't matter how many times your guy gets knocked down or how bad it looks for him. You already know the outcome. You already know who won. So you don't have to fret. You don't have to be anxious sitting on the edge of your seat, saints. Think about that. You also, know who, you also know who the winner is because you've read the end of the book, the Bible. So you know who the winner is. You know what happens to the devils and his demons. The Bible says in Isaiah 14, 16 through 17, the New King James says, those, those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms? Who made the world as as a wilderness and destroyed its cities? Who did not open the house of his prisoners? You know, there's a song called, I will, I will not go quietly. We should all have that attitude and say, we will not go quietly without a fight. And I think that we, we're definitely going to have to develop that attitude because we are going to have to fight in order to keep things the way that God would like for them to be. And we can't, I mean, we're not going to go quietly. Praise the Lord. You should also read the part in God's Word, too, about who the victorious ones are. According to Romans 8, 37, you are. You are the winners. No matter what else changes in this world, saints, the Word of God never changes. It's never going to change. So neither does God. So don't forget that. In Isaiah 40, verse 8, it says, The grass withers, the flowers fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Praise God. Psalms 119, 89, it says, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. You are the one who will establish things through the words coming out of your mouth, for God has given you his word. And we're the ones that's going to establish it. You know, uh, we get prayer requests all the time, uh, Don and I do, and 
some of them, you know, uh, don't read the word or don't know the word. And sometimes they pray and the, the prayer sounds nice. It's, um, it sounds spiritual, but it has no power. You know, because God didn't tell us to ask. You know, God told us to command. He told us to speak to the mountain. He's given us the ability and, we, and given us his word, and he's put the power on the inside of us that in, in, we speak in Jesus' name, go now in Jesus' name and believe it. you got to believe it and then act on it. And I have to admit, I don't always act on it. You know, I don't think any of us does. You know, because I could pray for something, then I go take my aspirin. That's not acting on the word. Now, I don't do that all the time, but sometimes I have. So we're all guilty. But like I said, we're the ones that are going to establish the, the things on this earth through the words coming out of our mouth. That's what's going to establish it. And it's up to you to declare them. According to Job twenty-two twenty-eight. he said, You shall decide and declare a thing, and it shall be established for you. And the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. God's word puts light on your circumstances and gives you understanding on how to handle them. Amen. Amen. You know, it, it is so, so awesome that we do have so much power and so much authority, and that power and authority, you know, just uh, is, in our, is in our mouth, in our tongue. And all we have to do is exercise it, speak it in faith, and just speak what the Word says. I mean, you don't, we don't even have to make it up. We, we just read, read the Word that um, has to do with whatever our circumstances are. Just read the Word and practice the Word. But I, I will tell you that unless... Um, Unless you're praying God's word, it may sound good, and it may sound be a pretty prayer, and it may sound spiritual, but unless you're using God's word, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. You have to put, you have to speak His word. He honors His word, and and he, you know we can be as pitiful as we want to be, and we can cry and we can plead. But that doesn't move in God. You know, yes, it might, but he can't do anything. He only does what his word says he's going to do. You know, so remember that he is our equalizer. And it will counterbalance and equalize anything that the enemy might send our way. Praise God. Father God, I thank you so much. I thank you for the word tonight. I thank you for all of those that came out to hear the word in spite of the rain. I thank you for all those, Father, that are listening online. I pray, Father, and thank you that your word, there's no distance with your word, Lord, that it goes everywhere. I thank you, Father, that you truly are our equal, that your word truly is our equalizer. And all we have to do is to speak that word. The power is in the word because you are the word. The Word says that in the beginning was the Word, that God was with the Word, and God is the Word. So you are your Word. And your Word also says that you sent your Word and removed all sickness and destruction from our bodies, Lord. So we need to act on that. We need to believe it, receive it in our hearts, and act on it, and speak it and act on it. I thank you, Lord, for all the words that you have given me here tonight to speak. 
I thank you, Lord, for giving me strength and energy to do to do the works of the Lord. And Father, again, I pray blessings on all of those that came out tonight. I pray safety for them as they return home, Lord. And I, I just continue to pray that you'll continue to remove the blinders from all of our eyes, that we may see the truth, Lord, and be more aware of the things that's going on around us, Lord. And yes, we are fully aware that uh, these things must happen before Jesus comes back. But help us, Lord, to know how to handle it and to handle it the way you would handle it if you were here. And Father, we just thank you for the wisdom and the knowledge and the grace that you give us in order to do this. And I thank you again for this word. For it's in Jesus' name I praise you and I thank you. Amen.